See, I told you. Something always goes Every wrong. Time. Every time. Every something. time. You haven't disappointed yet? No, you know, it's one of those things where you just kind of hope everything works. It's technology. Welcome, everybody. This is Something to Talk About, where I take all the gear that I've accumulated over the years, and I put it to a good cause. And uh, with me today is uh, a philanthropist, but he's also an actor, director, and does a lot with gravel and sand, so, so it's quite a mix. I have Matthew Wilson, and that's double T, double L. Double Matt, T, double L. Double T, double L, and that's a good way to remember. Matt, tell me about yourself. Uh, well, I'm uh, Matt Wilson, two T's, two L's. Uh, born and raised in Paris, so I guess I'm a parasite. Um, and I have a gravel company called Lakeview Sand and Gravel. We supply... Uh, aggregates and stone and sand and topsoil to um, road builders, uh, contractors, landscapers, pavers, uh, general contractors throughout uh, about an about an hour's radius. My gravel pits in um, the south end of Cambridge, so about an hour's radius of there. Yeah, Kitchener, Brantford, Woodstock into London, a lot into Hamilton. Why Hamilton? Because in Hamilton. Everything is limestone, in, uh-huh. like in the ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's nothing but limestone. And limestone's very expensive. And for what people need for building, they don't need limestone. Uh, as long as it passes like an OPS 1010 spec, which is very technical for what no, we're no, talking this, about. This is the type of stuff I love to hear. Um, they, uh, you, can, you can use sand and gravel, and it's a whole lot cheaper. Like It's like half the price. Mm-hmm. So what makes the, the what was it again in Hamilton? The, the, the they they have limestone. Like we don't have limestone in so the ground So what would here. limestone, why would that be more expensive just out of curiosity? Well, because the cost of production. Ah, okay. So like the Hamilton, a, when you drive down the Hamilton mountain, yeah. that mountain, that's what a lot of contractors, a lot of gravel quarries are making their sand and gravel out of is like that mountain. Wow. So you have to blast it. Wow. And then crush it and crush it and wash it. and So just the cost of producing it, obviously, then that, with the markup that comes afterwards, yeah. and there's probably, as you say... I dig mine, run it through a, a processing plant, and voila. And it's all done on site? Yeah. Or is the processing plant somewhere else? No, right right, right in our site. Oh, very nice. Yeah. So sand and gravel, uh, multiple uses, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think of concrete, among other mm-hmm. reasons. Uh, what are some of the services uh, and specifics that come with that? Because, like I said, it's the two sides of the coin that, that fascinate me. Uh, well, w- what do you mean? What is it used for? Yeah. Uh, or, well, well, contractors buy it, and they use it for underneath their concrete. If they're pouring concrete, they use it for underneath their asphalt, uh, gravel roads, um, we sell a fair amount of sand for backfilling, uh, septics. We do a lot of septic work. We're like we're licensed to, mm-hmm. we're traditionally one of our other companies was a, is a licensed sewer contractor. So we got into uh, selling a lot of sand and stone to sewer contractors. Uh, and I've been, uh, I do a lot of recycling. I probably do more recycling, um, of anyone in this area. So is that stuff that's being brought to you that then you mm-hmm. put through your, your yeah. factory? Yeah, concrete, asphalt, topsoil, we, we accept that. See, and that's something right there, that that one little bit, and mm-hmm. you know, the, the business side of me kicks in here. That's a value add that I don't think anybody else advertises. Yeah, nobody in this area does recycling what, like we do. Pe- like, it, it's a... It's a romantic idea. Oh, we'll get into recycling. Mm. It'll it's a it's a hot thing. Everybody should be recycling, and then they they <laughs> they start and they think, what what am I going to do with this? Like, I, I it just keeps coming in. What am I going to do with mm. it? I have to get rid of it. And you have the perfect opportunity not only to process it but to get rid of it. Yeah, it's a vicious cycle. It is. I'm sure. Oh, it just keeps on coming in, and you have yeah. to process it and get rid of it. Yeah. 
Well, and yeah, you have your your exact uh, your your um, your current pit as well. In terms well, of yeah, and I get, that's what we call our virgin material. Mm-hmm. So we have the virgin material that I'm trying to sell as well as the recycling. Now, do you price them differently as a result? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Once again, it's the reason I bring it up is one of your latest. Uh, I forget if it was a Facebook post. I think it was a Facebook post where it was last weekend, and you were late for for an event because mm. you were literally juggling. And I've seen your schedule. You know, just on the artistic side, I've seen mm-hmm. your schedule. Add to that the daily grind, mm-hmm. both of weekends or whatnot, plus the family life. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a bit about how you do all that balancing before we get into the specifics. The balancing is easier now. I'm 45. Um, it's easier, I think, par- partially because I'm used to it. And it's just kind of evolved. Like, it wasn't like it started suddenly. It's it's been building and evolving, so I'm kind of used to it. Mm-hmm. But having said that, it's really tough some days. It's really really tough. I met a friend for lunch today, uh, a family friend. I haven't seen her in like 20 years, and I was how you know I, I really wanted to meet this friend, uh, and my phone just kept ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing. I thought I can't even get away for an hour, an hour and a half, to meet somebody I haven't seen in years. Uh, without my phone just constantly ringing. And then with the artistic stuff, again, it's very tough because, I, you know, in the summer when things are really busy at the quarry and I have an audition or I'm shooting or I have to be on location or a wardrobe fitting or I'm on stage or directing, that's that's tough. And then, you know, I now have a family, so that's really tough too. Yeah, well, you get the travel factor in there. It's one thing when you're doing things locally like Cambridge or the latest play that you did is something mm-hmm. else when you're having to film... Mm-hmm. Out, out of town, out of country, out of... Yeah, you know. like I'm, I'm going to uh, Europe, uh, not this coming week, but the week after. And that's tough because I, you know, it's great. I get to go to Europe and I'm, I'm involved in a film festival there. We're nominated for Best Comedy. But then I, I'm away from my business. Um, so that's tough. And, uh, but I, I, you know, it, it, frankly, it's a good problem to have. No, it's, it's one of those things where... In a way, I think, and Rob, sometimes yeah. I think, how dare I... <laughs> <laughs> Some people would love to have this problem. But, you know, I think you said it as well. How dare you? It's something that has evolved over time. It's something that has built over time. Mm-hmm. It's something that you've expanded upon, both both sides of the business. Are you at a stage now on the business side where you have other people capable of I taking do. over for you? Yeah, yeah. I got, uh, I got some really good employees. Uh, we do a fair amount of volume, I think. You know, never enough. But I, I think we do a fair amount of volume, and we do it all. I have two employees. Wow. That's it. And like I said, there are times when you're out and about doing something else in radio silent mode in some cases. Yes. Um, but, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really invested in my business. Mm-hmm. I do everything. I snow plow the roads. I fix the fences. I do the pricing. I chase the money. I pay the bills. Um, I clean the office. I fix the machines. I run the machines. Nobody else does that. But is that? I'm, I'm suspecting here that that may play into the fact that this is a family business. So you mm-hmm. were probably brought through all of those ranks. Yes, yeah, I'm third generation, so it is kind of ingrained in me. I would, I would love to. I am, I am kind of at a crossroads because again, I'm 45, and I think I can I just physically cannot keep doing this until I'm 70 mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, I'm gonna have to make a change because I, frankly. As much as I, I guess, I don't know whether I like our, I've always said, I don't care who I say it in front of. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I like this business. It's just the only thing we've ever done. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I, I guess I like it. It's afforded my family to do things and, and I like that. 
Um, but if you know, if if my family started making horseshoes, maybe I'd be in the horseshoe business. I've come across a lot of family-run businesses, mm-hmm. whether or not it's a cabinet makery, you know, woodwork, and you know, the list goes on and on. Where where it's a generational, generational. And I've heard it numerous times. It's not a business that I would want my kids to take over. And it's a no. dilemma. You're, you're, as you say, you're doing it. You love it to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you had been brought up, as you say, a, a shoemaker, you may I guess have, I'd be making shoes. Yeah, we, we are a product in many ways. And that's partially why I really like the arts because it's really mine. Yeah, it's that's everything that I've done. If I've done anything, is because of me. But I, I, I like to think that I've done some things in the with the business as well. But to get back to your question about, you know, the sustainability, how long yeah. I keep doing this, I don't know. I, I probably should stand back and let somebody else do some of the things, and I should be going out to build the business in other The, in the other old adage, are you working in the business or are you working on the business? Yeah. You know, yeah. right now you're spending a lot of time working in the business, mm-hmm. and uh, as a commerce major and someone that mm-hmm. knows a little bit about business, uh, Things are scalable in some cases and not scalable in others. And a lot of it, especially in the family-run businesses, um, that giving up of control mm-hmm. to someone outside of your family mm-hmm. is hard because mm-hmm. for the last three generations, in your case, it's not something that necessarily is been... And we're a seasonal... Well, You're... we're traditionally a seasonal yeah. business. Right now, we're doing really well. We're selling a lot of salt and salt sand. Um, so, but we have these... Historically, we've had these great big peaks and really low valleys. Yeah. If I could just get some normality there, I'd say, okay, yeah, I can, I can, it makes sense to bring somebody else on. And then other days I think, what am I going to have the guys do today? Yeah. It's, you mentioned, you know, like I said, when you look at the seasonal aspect, uh, a lot of people then look at what are the secondary businesses for, let's say, the winter, you know, snow yeah. plowing as an example yeah. or whatnot. But at the end of the day, it's, as you say, it's your business. You, you are mm-hmm. there. So shifting out of that, because as you say, it's provided, if you will, um, an anchor and a footing that it will allow you to stretch. At what point in time? Was it early 20s, if I read my material right, that you really started getting interested into the artistic mm-hmm. side of things? Yep. And when we say artistic, what, what started off? Was it stage? Yeah. Um, looking back on it, uh, you know, I, I grew up in a small town, and I went to uh, the Paris District High School, PDHS. Please don't hurt the stoners. And... Um, there was no arts program, and I didn't even know I was really interested in the arts. Um, and I was really bad. I was a horrible student. Um, I didn't like school, and uh, but even if I wanted to like it, I just like I I just couldn't. I didn't have the capacity. I I I, I think I just wanted something else. I didn't know what it was, and I got kicked out of high school. I got kicked out of Paris High School, and uh, the only school that would accept me was Herman Fawcett. And I went to Herman Fawcett for grade 9, 10, and 11 or something. 11 and a half. I forget. And I got kicked out of there. And I went to the, uh, we were family friends with the vice principal, Larry Rutherford. And we, you know, I knew that I had to get high school. I had to finish high school. Mm-hmm. I had no interest in going to post-secondary school. So my family, we went to uh, Larry Rutherford and he let, it, let me back in. Wow. This was back, back at Paris. Back at Paris, yeah. I wasn't a, like a nasty kid. I was just, I just could not focus. And I really wanted to do anything other than anything structured with school. Yeah. It's uh, for those, you know, from a historical point of view, this is before we had acronyms for, for mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. That yeah, there was hear. no ADHD or no. anything. I was just, just a 
I don't I don't know what I was, but mm-hmm. having look looking back on it now, I and I'm not going to blame my parents or the school system, but somebody should have known. I I should have been in an artistic school. Like I was really expressive. I didn't think I was gay. Mm-hmm. Like I, I knew I wasn't gay, but I just I knew I was different. I wanted other things. Like my friends were all into, you know, like cars, and I guess I was like kind of into cars. And well, you were pickup truck gravel. You yeah, know, generation, I liked I, right? I liked I liked the business. I I wanted to I I really wanted to work in the business. I wanted it to be successful. I wanted to work. I and quite frankly. My desire to earn money has never wavered. I've, I've always been really interested. The in, more kids you have, the more that becomes the case. Well, that's too. true. I, I'm learning that. Yeah. Um, but I really, I really like to earn, and um, the only way I was going to earn was if I worked. My parents weren't going to give me anything, um, so I worked, and I like to earn money, and I like to spend it. I, you know, I like to, I really like to save it. But I wasn't afraid to spend it. I mm-hmm. spend it on cars, and I spend it on trips. I spend it on women. Um, but during those high school years, even though I, I like to work and I like to earn, I just knew there was something else. And then I, I, I guess I, I kind of messed around in a few little plays, but there was nothing in school, nothing offered. Um, and then uh, I guess after high school, I was in the, in the family business and I met a girl and we were engaged and it, it ended horribly and we weren't engaged anymore. And I think that somewhere around that time, I wanted to get involved in acting. Mm-hmm. And I went out and I auditioned for a few things, and I and I got a I got a role. And I'll never forget it. I could not believe that I was going to act. Um, now, have, <laughs> had you done any prep studying? This was just you know no 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 formal training yeah, or anything. Just this is something I want to try and yep. And I got cast, and I was I was so excited. It was like I was going to be on Broadway. It was like I was in London's West End. You, you knew there was a fit there immediately. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then, then I got pretty freaked out. I was pretty scared. But uh, had, that you, t- had you done any uh, uh, presence work in front of people prior to that? Not really. No, so it, was, it wasn't just the acting. It was all, everything was being thrown at you. That Yeah. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, I, as, soon as, as soon as I got into rehearsals, I just... I realized that this is it. Yeah. Like this is this this now I'm finally I'm comfortable. Finally finally I've arrived. Yeah. I was in my early 20s and uh like honestly Rob I could I could cry. Like it, it, the, yeah. the the theater saved me. It's my temple, it's my religion, it's my everything. Yeah, really and truly. It's, I don't know what I am if I've done anything with my life, but I if I have it's because of that. It's it's nice that you were able to get that that early in your life because I know a lot of people will won't hear that until they're in their forties or fifties or sixties in some cases. And you know? I remind myself of that because I I don't have a lot of um, regret, but I do think, man, if I had just known at you know fifteen rather than twenty or whatever I was twenty two twenty one, if you know if I had been a, at an art school, if I had been at um, I don't know some of the arts high schools or something, but if I had gone to post-secondary school um, and taken theater or or um, broadcasting or something, you know, maybe things would have been different. And if I had have had the confidence to step away from our family business, um, I probably would have moved to Los Angeles or New York or Vancouver, or even Toronto. Yeah. But that was, you know, that that was a big deal. I really thought that I was needed in our business. I wasn't needed in our business. I wasn't needed at the company. I thought I was. 
and I, and I, you know, I, I worked hard. I, I really did. I really worked hard. I wanted the business to succeed. And then now, were you still working for your dad at this point? Or yeah, I was, you, when did you take it over a relative? I, I worked, uh, for my dad, um, you know, running machinery, dump trucks and labor work and, and working in the quarry and working on our paving crew and spent some time in the office, but you know, that's, I, I don't really have the mind for office work. Um, I liked working physically. I liked, I really like running machinery. Um, and I still do. I still like working physically. I, I like working with, I love running the machines, but, uh, it was, I bought the, uh, I bought the business in 2010. You actually had to buy it. Oh yeah. How does oh, yeah. that work? Is that just a legal thing or is that uh, just because you would have sold it to someone else? Both, both, yeah. both. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm always intrigued about that. There's that time where it no longer becomes a, it becomes a family asset versus a family yeah. Uh, inheritance for lack of anybody who really knows me well and people may think they do but i'm telling you the people that really know me well know that anything that i have is because i worked for it yeah I no, earned there's, it. Uh, there's no the, denying the that. greatest thing that my parents gave to me was opportunity and they gave me a wonderful opportunity and they offered they said you could go to school you could uh, i'm i'm 45 and i can afford to go to school but if i wanted to go to school they would say well then we'll we'll provide you with the opportunity to go to school but i got to work for it um, but the, anything that I, uh, achieved, um, through the company, through business, it's because I worked, if I, if I didn't work, I would have been let go. Yeah. And I, I, I know for a fact I had to work harder than anybody else. So you had, I mean, I know that because I was there. I, I remember I, I worked more hours than anybody. And that's, uh, what, for how many years were you doing that? Uh, through high school, th- after high school, yeah. I, wow, so significant uh, years before mm-hmm. you even breached. Keep, keep in mind, like, I never went to college. I never, I went directly from from grade 12 right to work. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I, I liked it. I, listen, it wasn't a punishment. No. I, I wanted well, when to you, earn. When, when you left school, because you were struggling in school, did you find working easier than, than schooling? Hell yeah. Yeah. It's oh, a, yeah. yes. I, I find that that's quite often the case, because in Thank, some cases, it's oh, hands-on in many cases. I remember vividly finally being done school. I'll yeah. never have to come back here again. I never have to go to school again. I hated school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And I and I'd really like to work. This is this is exactly what I want to do is I want to earn and I want to run machinery and I want the business to do well and I want to build the the company. Um and then um that's that was a company called Paris Construction. Mm-hmm. My gravel pit's called Lakeview Sand and Gravel. My family owned that as well. Right. And I started to do really take off with the gravel pit. Um it wasn't doing well kind of by design. Mm. My dad just wasn't really interested in it. He, was, it, was it near the end, or was he falling into that same trap of I, I got past this, passed this on to, from my dad, as it were? Uh, no, um, at that time there was quite a a, a pricing war between mm. some of the big gravel companies, and you know we just couldn't couldn't stand in the way. Like uh, they were just going to price each other out. Yeah. So we, uh, you know, thankfully gravel isn't like produce; it isn't going to go bad, and we own the property outright, so we didn't owe money on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just kind of let it sit. But then when I started coming on and, you know, started to want to be interested in building the business, my dad said, well, this is great. Go make your mark. Here's this company. Start running it. Um, you want to sell gravel? Sell gravel. So I did. And then it started doing well. And, and then I started to 
say, well, maybe, you know, maybe I could buy it. Mm -hmm. And then in 2010, um, that's when I bought it. And did your dad retire at that point? No, 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 no. He, he kept working for you at that point? No. No? Uh, we have probably 18 companies. Really? Yeah. Well, at, out of curiosity, I know one of them is obviously a production company uh, for, for, you know, your-, your Well, I, I, I have two. Okay. But he has quite a few. Wow, that's that's spectacular to hear. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love hearing businesses that, that expand because at the end of the day, that's the true entrepreneur when you're able to get that many mm-hmm. and, and successfully juggle them if you know Yeah, they, um, he, he, my mother really- said, you know, why don't, why do we have to keep moving earth? Like we were earth movers Mm. back in my grandfather's day. That's all we did was build roads and, and move dirt. We were earth movers. Um, and that's a tough business. You spit in front of those machines and they get stuck. Um, that was a tough sled. That was kind of before my time. I don't Mm. really remember that too much. I think we had sold all that, that machinery by the late seventies. I, I, I kind of remember some images of the machines, but um, yeah, my mom said, well, why do we have to keep building roads? Why don't we diversify? Why don't we do other things? And we did. So he had not, uh, uh, gotten into the other businesses no. until his, the, until my mom, wow. till about, till about 10, 1970. And my mom said, listen, let's start doing other things. Why, why do I so, love hearing that? that, that that's... Yeah. So we, uh, uh, we, we did a huge volume with the city of Brantford. We did all the interments and disinterments of, uh, uh, at the cemeteries, um, again, it's kind of construction related. Mm-hmm. Um, we did big volumes a long time ago in snow removal and snow plowing. When when snow plowing just wasn't like everybody wasn't doing it, mm-hmm. we did huge volumes back then. Now it's like the Airbnb of. Oh, I mean, you can you can literally go to Walmart and buy a snowplow yeah. for your pickup truck. Mm-hmm. And when we were doing it, you know, like it was all with heavy machinery when it really snowed a yeah. lot. You yeah. know, like all the time. You know. Um, so yeah, and, and and my dad started to get um, doing a lot of different different very construction related uh, farm drainage. We had a body shop, um, we had a metal fab. Um, we started doing a lot of financing for projects, which is always smart because that's a good way to to move some of that money. Yeah, so we just started doing a lot more financing. Uh, we owned uh, the London Knights and the London Gardens Hockey Club. Really? Yep. Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, and, and then, and then the gravel pits, we bought the gravel pits and then I, again, I took that over in uh, 2010. Now did, uh, the pit that you have, was that a competitor's pit that, that you bought or was that the one that you owned? You, you said brought the pits. Well, we, we bought it a long time ago. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, you know, th- this is why I love these conversations because, you know, you'll look at your IMDB and you'll get one side of the story and you'll look at your website, which we've joked about, and you'll mm-hmm. get the other side of the story. What website? Exactly. Yeah. It's one page on the mm-hmm. internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, my SEO brain is just... I'm technically challenged. Oh, I'm, I'm, I, I know someone. In any case, uh, the artistic side. So after all those years of slugging away with sand, gravel, and stuff, mm-hmm. you finally broke out or you know the the, mm-hmm. the the creative out of the closet for the lack of a better term and mm-hmm. it felt spectacular from what it i'm did. hearing yep. from that point forward clearly you i can tell based on your bio you worked that as hard as you worked your normal business yeah people talk about you know a struggling actor well i i i still struggle as an actor i just have because i struggle because i'm i'm running a business like mm-hmm. i'm running a, a company like a real company and I think it's great. I wish that I had busted tables. I wish that I had, you know, worked a, a a shift job in a city like New York or Toronto or L.A. or Vancouver. I didn't do that because I was actually running a, a, 
like a real business. Like I had to m- make out the paychecks every Thursday, or I wouldn't have any employees. Like I had, I had to pay WSIB. I had, <laughs> I had, I had other things going on, and I was trying to work as an actor. But I, I think all that stuff you brought up explains to me why I think you're such a good producer. Mm. Okay, because it's it's all of those things. I'm sorry to to those uh, actors that did the tables and whatnot that became producers, because you know I don't want this to be an insult, but I think. Those ones understood the the interacting with people and all that because of their job, but they were so far removed from all the logistical nature of what makes something successful. Yeah. And when you're in the film industry or the TV industry or, or the stage industry, it's not a readily profit-ready uh, venture in many cases. So right. you need to have that side. Yeah. Uh, has that? Am I overextending my, my no, thought well, on this? No. I, I, I know that when I when I started the 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 uh, production company. Yeah. Um, it was kind of because I wanted to start doing other things. I was more ambitious. I wanted, I knew there was something else I wanted to do. I wanted to, you know, I, I would, I love the stage. If, if, if there was, if I could, I would just work on stage and direct for stage. But it's a, it's a, it's a small audience compared to getting things out to the masses. Um, well, it doesn't compare to being in a full-fledged movie as you, as an example. Right. right. Yeah. But, um... What was I going to say? The the starting the production company. One of the reasons that I started my own is because I would go to produce something with somebody, and the I always found that the artistic people really knew the arts, mm-hmm. and the business people really knew the business, but they didn't do very well together. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like a a salad dressing. Well, it's the left and right, like the a, you know, the, they separate like the oil and the vinegar, yeah. and you shake them up, and it's good, but you know, nobody's really in charge. So I, when I started my own, I thought, well, you know, it's still a business. Yeah. Like making a movie still, it's like a production, like a, it's like a project manager building a road. Yeah. Like I, I think I can do this. It's just looking after people and making sure the bills are paid and somebody being in charge. And that's what I did. That's, that's why I didn't really want to start a production company. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to do my own stuff and nobody else was going to do it. Well, I think a lot of successful actors have found a way to do that themselves. After, mm-hmm. but it's taken them maybe thirty years of being in the business to be able to have that freedom. If you mm-hmm. follow my gist, but I going back to my, my main point, I think all of those uh, business lessons that you learned running a, an actual business of of scale, mm-hmm. purely in terms of volume of, of what you're producing, uh, earmarked you for that side of, of the business. Because I think, as you say, some people are just happy acting. You Some know, people are, and they expect someone else yep. to take care of the money. Yep, and and that's great. Um, I wish that I could just work as an actor. Mm. I don't have that. Um, I'm not fortunate enough to do that. Maybe I'm not talented enough to do that. But I was. I'm again running a business. I couldn't just go and try to work as an actor. I had to run my company. I wasn't. I you know I'm not too bright. But I wasn't. I wasn't that dumb. I'd be like, "Well, I'm just going to leave this business." You know, it's it's a happening thing. So it affords me to do these things. It's one of those things. Most successful ventures. It's the second venture that's the passion project because you need yeah. to have that baseline to to pay the bills at the yeah. end of the day. You know, yeah. like this to me is the passion side of what I do, and the SEO is what quote unquote pays my bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the end of the day, like I said, for podcasting. I didn't discover podcasting until much later, and it's turned out to be my acting. And I, God, I wish I had this when I was 15 years yeah. old, to use your same analogy. Well, you're right? good at this. Well, it's taken 
a lot of practice, as you say, a lot of iterations. Mm-hmm. Um, I do pull from my own business history in that I did a lot of interviewing uh, hiring. Mm-hmm. Both, you know, I was a director, so a lot of hires, a lot of interviews and stuff like that. But I'll be honest, it was, I wasn't a good active listener. Really? I was a horrible active listener. And I say that in relative to today. Okay. So when I started doing the podcasting, I made sure that I, the majority of the podcasts were stuff that I knew nothing about. Hmm. And, and I forced myself, A, to care. Mm-hmm. I need to know this or I want to know this. Right. Uh, but it forced me to listen because it's one thing, you know, look, you see the gear around you. I'm actively listening to you, mm-hmm. figuring out the next question because there's no script here, monitoring mm-hmm. the audio, monitoring yeah. the board, monitoring the live feed. Yeah. Yeah. That takes years and years of practice to get to that point. Uh, I'm surprised when all of this works because it shouldn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're in a basement in Brantford and I'm broadcasting to the world mm-hmm. for free. This is free? This is free. I'm out of here. Exactly. You know, it's the passion project. Don't Come you on. find that listening to people is, you wish you started listening to people earlier? When I was at the Second City, the greatest thing I took away from the Second City mm. was that I listened to people. And I I focus on them and I try to remember everything that's been said. It's tough. It's tough to do that because your brain wants to immediately go to that next yeah, that, yeah, know? I don't, I don't find it that tough. Oh, I struggle with that every day, even now. Really? Oh yeah, because I'm, uh, my brain is executing uh, ten thousand. Do you remember I, things we've spoken about? Oh god, yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, and I can refer back to them and lead them back or whatnot. But it's the, um, the essence in many cases, and this is why I love recording stuff. Like I've, I've been fortunate enough to to interview people before they died. Mm-hmm. And it's something to be said. Do you know something I don't know? No, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's not like the sharpie. If it's you know uh, this particular sharpie, okay. will die. The, that's a side joke. But the uh, the ability uh, to go to the uh, wife of the deceased mm. who has two kids and say, "This is the interview with your husband, where he was the most passionate about talking about what he did for a living." Yeah, that's great. And he's never talked about that prior, and he never talked about it obviously mm. after. And the, b- the reason I bring that one up, this laptop was bought to, bought by him prior to his death because I had a theft and all my gear was stolen. I'm in Ottawa. I'm crying. I'm drunk, hungover, crying. <laughs> you know, the cycle, you know, it's my sister's wedding. You know, the list goes on and on. And I get this call from Matt here in Brantford saying, I'm walking out the door right now. What laptop do you need? It's going to be here when you get back to town. Continue podcasting. And he, wow. does, he died six months later. He died six months later. He died six months later. So every single podcast since then has been on, on this laptop. So I kid you not when I say it's free. Not only am I using to a degree of free gear or donated gear, um, but yeah, it was one of those things where... That's quite a story. Well, you know, another example, uh, Sid Bolton, who died recently, mm-hmm. you know the name. Yeah. I interviewed him four times on various different topics. I have more stuff to go back. And I, I've, I remember the, the day he died. I listened to those interviews for a bit and it was painful, but mm-hmm. I was like, I get to do this. I get to hear his voice. And, and I, I think the ability to, uh, going back to the main point of this, the ability to maybe... Not remember all the details in real time, but know that it's been captured. Mm-hmm. That historian aspect, if you will, is um, is fascinating to me. You know, and it's it's kind of one of the reasons I do this. Mm-hmm. But back to back to the acting. I'd uh, rather uh, listen to you. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no. How much water do you drink a day? 
I drink a lot of water. Good. Why is that? I just wondered. Uh, uh, I, I am constantly uh, hydrating myself to a point where, where I'm constantly humid, to be perfectly honest. I heard a story recently of a lady who drinks like half a glass of water She's a day. She's sand, isn't she? Sand. Oh, yeah. Sand. But here's, hey, here's the thing. Elva has done two of these live to airs. We're sitting right here on camera. At really? At 92. Sitting exactly where you're in right now with that same mic with the webcam. She did a live Q&A on Facebook to all of Karen's uh, friends, and they actually asked That is so cool. 92 years old, doing a live air, and she knocked it out of the park. Oh, that is so cool. I'm and, not surprised. No, and you know Elva, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, she, she needs to... The one thing we've learned is if you don't hydrate yourself, your brain goes too much. We can tell the difference after a glass of water in yeah. terms of her sharpness. Is that right? Yeah, and it's, she hasn't drunk all day. So uh, hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. hydrate. <laughs> you know, Are you enough hydrated? Um, let's talk a bit about the stage work, because I... I do want to talk about the, the TV and the movie and the directing and whatnot, but uh -huh. stage is your passion. And yeah. you've more recently have done one. So let me, I, it's not something we're going to be promoting because it's already happened, but mm -hmm. maybe give me some lesson learns from the, your latest uh, uh, stage work and uh, tell people about it, obviously. Well, um, yeah, I work a lot as a, a stage actor, not nearly enough. Uh, and I started directing a few years ago. Uh, I've had some really, really great directors. I've had some really bad directors. And some bad directors, I've thought, well, I could do that. I mean, I could I could do that. And then um, I don't really remember how it came up. I think that the, uh, that the, uh, the Paris performers, I think that, well, that was the first show I directed was for them. And I guess that they asked. I Honestly, I forget. Yeah. But as soon as I started directing, I, I really fell in love with it. Completely... Uh, the same, but very different than acting. It's very artistic, but uh, I n did not assume that the pressure would be as high as it is. And the more I direct, and I've I've started to get some success, uh, I'm always having to raise that. Like that bar is automatically raised, the artistic bar. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I kind of have to follow it up, and I I start feeling like. Uh, like a, a musical artist, mm. you know, you have a really success, really successful album, and now that's great. But now you got to match it. Yeah, you got to out, you got to be I'll better. Pace it. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I, I find that uh, intriguing and challenging and exciting and enthralling. Um, but I, 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 the more I direct, the more I really, really like to direct. I think right now, I'm as. I'm 45. I just did a thing with uh, Equity Showcase Theater with through Theater Ontario. I was asked to go in and speak to uh, you know these um, uh, grad oh. uh, graduates that are about to go off and you know set the world on fire and on stage and screen. And um, with a hundred percent success rate, with every one of them, every single one. Uh, but I said, you know, I'm 45, and honestly, I'm more excited now. I want to act more now than what I did when I was 25. And is that because of the directing or just because of the age? I don't know. But, you know, normally it kind of tapers off. It weans mm. off. People kind of lose interest and just life takes over. No, I want to act more and more. Wow. And I want to, and now I want to direct more and more. So it's like, oh, great. I thought I had a problem And you're going to produce them as well. Yeah. Now I, I thought I had an obsession before and now I have this new thing. I got to direct everything. But I really like the directing a lot. Do I like the I like the pressure. I love the actors. I, you know, I've been an actor for a long time, so I feel like I can, I can relate. It's like the hockey coach. Quite often the hockey coaches that do the best weren't great hockey players. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that I can, you know, like I've, I've spent a lot of time in crummy little theaters. Um, and I, I know what it's like for that working actor. I know what it's like trying to, you know, make a mark and, and be intimidated and nervous and opening night and rehearsals and coming in prepared. I also think that it's made me a better actor, not a more talented actor, mm. but it's certainly made me a better actor. So when I go in to do something now on stage or go in for an audition, I'm much more prepared. Mm. I see these actors come in to essentially get a job. And it, is, it is a job interview. Yeah, and they're, they're unprepared. And I think, I, I, I think I've probably done that. I think I've come in unprepared. I, I never want to do that anymore. Yeah, I'm sure there has been the unprepared, hungover stories at some oh, point. Yeah, oh exactly. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's known. Mm-hmm. But as you say, that there's a certain maturity mm-hmm. uh, that, that comes with, with doing it for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're also at a stage, if I'm hearing uh, this turning into the psychological part of the conversation, you're, you're at that, that, that shift between your, your, your gravel business and the desire of where do I could take that one and your obvious desire to take one, this one to the next level. Yeah. The, the gravel, again, I can't really get out of it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I never want to uh, take my foot off the accelerator because the second you do that, everybody else passes yeah. you. But there's something to be said about having a co-driver. Yeah, but I, as far as the, the artistic, um, I never really know which direction I should be going mm-hmm. in. I never know whether I should be producing more or financing more um, or trying to direct uh, the stage or try to work more as an actor. Um, so I, I honestly, I, I wrestle with that all the time. I never really know, should I just be focused on one thing? Mm. Well, what do you, do you get, um, once again, the psychological part of the conversation, do you get satisfaction from all levels? And if that, the answer is yes, then you're yeah, doing I, what you want to do. do. I don't, I don't get as much satisfaction, um, financing anymore. Mm. I find that I'm, I'm, I'm starting to be taken advantage of or, or, or people are trying to take advantage more and more. You give them more. an inch, they'll want the whole ruler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I. Uh, but there's know, nothing stopping you financing, obviously, your own work, which is what producing. Yeah. But again, right now, like I, I meet with people all the time, and I just don't really know. Like TV is such a, such a thing. I mean, it's the Wild West. Nobody mm-hmm. really knows what's happening. You know, 10 years ago, before Netflix, before all these great shows came on, we all grew up with the same sitcoms. Oh God, yeah. So if you're going to do TV, at the same time, yeah, at this, yeah. yeah, every night. Yeah. So if you were going to do TV, at least there was a formula. Yeah. Now there really isn't any formula, no. and I don't know whether I should be trying to embrace that. I just feel like, um, you know, if I if I had the haystack, if I knew I was to look for a needle, I would look for the needle. But if I'm, uh, it's like a haystack. You don't even know what you're looking yeah. for. TV's it, really, really. Really well, diverse right now. Well, it's now. also, you know, 900 channels of whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a niche for everybody. And I joke about this when I talk about the Toronto market. You know, you can have an idea and you'll have a business in Toronto because there's just traffic. Yeah. And you'll find a niche large enough to, to foot the bill in some mm-hmm. cases. And then the rent will mess that up. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, the traffic's there. The The same applies when you think to all these other things. It's, it's tough to make it work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you say, the financing is is the closest reality that, because it's a true black and white. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Am I going to make a return on this investment? Am I not going to make a return on this investment? Yeah. You're, just, you're not giving away money for anything. Mm-hmm. The directing, if I'm hearing this correctly, there's something to be said about the actor director. You hear it a lot. Or, yeah. You know, and I've, uh, you know, I'm not from that uh, the, the group of people, but you hear it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, yes, you, you see both sides of the equation. You've been there and you've got the maturity to be able to take. Uh, you know, a twenty-year-old. You say that because my beard's turning white. No, I say that because of your confidence. Oh, that from the sec uh, from the second that the the mic dropped, you know, or you know what I mean. Uh, the confidence is there, and I don't think that confidence was there maybe twenty years ago in your acting, in your, in prob- your presence. In, probably not. And, and like I said, if this, hey, this is live to air. Who knows who's listening? It's crickets typically. But point being, you're coming across far more uh, confident and knowledgeable and whatnot. And as a job interview, that's what you want to hear, right? Mm-hmm. All of those things play into it. When you're a director, and then, and I have been a director in a different way, mm-hmm. you know, but it's the same thing. You are responsible for millions and millions of dollars in people's lifestyles, and the list goes on and on. Yep. The one thing they expect to, is confidence. Mm-hmm. This is what we're doing. It's the right thing to do. Move forward. I have a friend who started to direct, and I said to her, whatever you do, don't be vulnerable. No. Don't let them see you weak. No. It, it, it's the one thing they need. Uh, just like whenever I'm doing a, a, a campaign for someone, I have to uh, – uh, they believe it so much, and it, it's not my place to tell them that they can't believe it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because the second you break that belief, mm-hmm. it shatters them. Mm-hmm. They need to believe it, you know, yeah, especially I, if it's a political I've campaign. I've been directed by actors, and I think they, they're they not confident no. in what they're telling me. No. And as soon as that happens, the, the trust – is fuzzy, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And I know this, like I said, managing people is managing people, whether or not it's artistic or, or you know, it's a project management, as you said, yeah. to a degree. Uh, but a lot of it is understanding the motivations, how do you get people engaged, all mm-hmm. those things play into it, right? Yeah. Um, having done a lot of stage work yourself, you've experienced the opposite side of the project, you know what I mean? Yeah. So walk me through, if you will, um, you got stage, you got TV and movies. Mm-hmm. You've done them all. Mm-hmm. Is there a preference? Oh, you said stage, obviously. But... I, I like I like the theater the most. And is that just because you you can see the audience? Is there that instant gratification, instant uh, feedback? I think that uh, I I like to work as an actor. So when you get to uh, be on stage, you're doing the same thing every night. You're you're literally a working actor. Like you go to the theater every night and you do that. And working in film and TV. You know, unless you're you you have a recurring role on TV, you're not working all the time no. on something. So I, in I some love cases that. you're on standby until. Yeah, the thing I I don't know why I like the theater. I don't think it's any better or any worse. I don't think um, you know the material is any better or worse. I I like the camaraderie. I just like again, it's like my church. It's like mm. my religion. It just I get it. I feel welcome. I'm totally at ease. I walk onto a set and all of a sudden, like, oh, I, I don't know anybody here. And, you know, where am I supposed to go? And should I get my makeup done first or my wardrobe or where's craft services? I just want to get a cup of coffee. I got to learn my lines. Um, you know, who am I working with? Who's the who's the director? Should I approach the director? Should the director approach me? In the theater, I don't know. I just kind of get it. I just, I just feel really relaxed. Mm. So I like the theater because of that mm. i like the rehearsing i like the the um the pacing of it um i like the demand um i do think that an actor learns much more discipline 
having worked on stage a fair amount. And I don't mean like, you know, someone who spends time on a career in TV and film, like, oh, yeah, I'll do a play. No, you got to work in the theater. Yeah. You got to spend time doing summer stock and um, doing crummy shows and having obnoxious audience members, like, all that stuff, man, you carry around in your toolbox. When you were going through, in the back of my mind, I had the stand-up comedian and, mm -hmm. and their process and yeah. whatnot. And it reminded me of the um, when Seinfeld left Seinfeld and he decided that he would go back and do stand-up. Uh, stand and he brought in a guy and he documented him from the second... I can't believe there's actually a fruit fly That's in this. Fun. I know. You know there's bananas upstairs. That's why. Uh, they can sense bananas from miles away. A fruit, fruit fly. Fruit fly can... Yeah, I know. I learned that this year. Wow. Uh, and it's so early in the year, too. I, and it's Yeah, exactly. I'm shocked, but I think that's what it was. In any case, the joys of, of live to air, you get mm. to hear about fruit, fruit flies, flies yeah. in, in the brand. On my forehead. On your forehead. But uh, what were we talking? Oh, yeah, the Seinfeld. Mm -hmm. It walked him through the first time he did his bit, his new bit, mm -hmm. to when he was actually then going and showcasing again to a mm -hmm. large audience. And even someone of his uh, capabilities was still going through that grind and the mm -hmm. da, 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 to rebuild himself. And it was nice to see because here's a guy that, after millions and millions and millions, could have just disappeared. Yeah. Uh, and he re-put himself. But more importantly, it paralleled uh, other people in the story as well, and you could see just the, the stuff mm -hmm. that you need to interact with. If you are sheltered... He's so smart. Oh he God. is so smart. He is... Um, the fact that he's been able to do what he does, mm -hmm. and, you know, and I've been fortunate to meet him once. Oh, wow. Uh, and I've been even more fortunate is that I met him at a Porsche Rensport reunion in Florida, and he was there with his Porsches on display as part of the same contest as everybody else and was walking around in sweats with a camcorder, videotaping Porsches, loving his world. Yeah, he he takes a lot of pride in just being a person. Just, he is. Yeah, and and it's funny. The second that he said something, it was like, "There's the voice." <laughs> you know, it's the same thing when when I, we met Bruce Dickinson uh, at the airport a, a year ago. The second he says, "There's the voice." Do you know uh, Nathan Fleet? No, I want you to know Nathan Fleet. Well, we can get Nathan Fleet here. Well, you should. I can. Uh, Anybody you want in is in. Yeah, he's uh, he's a really really neat guy. Loves Iron Maiden. He runs the Hamilton Film Festival. Really? Yeah. Well, that alone makes us, you know, brothers. Yeah. Or, or, he, or to throw it out there, blood brothers. Yeah. He's a he's a great guy. You you get on well with him. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely hook up afterwards because mm -hmm. this is the beauty of this process mm -hmm. is I get to meet people that I would never have met before and have conversations yep. that I would never have. Um, I want to go back to the station with because I think that I think that I think that you should be doing a podcast from the Hamilton Film Festival. Oh, I can definitely do that. I want this happening. Well, let's make that happen. No fruit flies. No fruit flies. That means the caterers cannot bring any bananas. No. No. So I need to have the uh, the Van Halen uh, mm -hmm. no banana That's in, in, in the, the rider yeah, uh, yeah, thing. Yeah. If, yeah. No brown M and M's. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I lost track. Oh yeah. The, I, I want to wrap up on the uh, on the stage play. When you're on stage versus directing, because in the case of directing, you missed the last show. So it's not something mm. where once all the stuff's done, they're still able to, I guess there's what, an assistant director in that scenario? Or no, they just the know stuff well, by now? Basically what happens is once uh, once the show is up yeah. and opening night is out of the way, the director's done. Like there's yeah. really nothing So it's to... more the trainer at that point in time. A stage manager. A stage manager. Yeah. Or I meant trainer prior and then they become more of a stage manager yeah. once it's live, right? Yeah. So once it's up, but I, I wanted to be there at the last show. I wanted to see the cast and the crew, but, but I was running a machine at the quarry. I know. That's the, that's the story of your life right there. Now there's a prime example where if I was on stage, yeah, 
I would have had to have left the business to go and perform, which I love to perform. But it comes at an opportunity cost that is significantly yeah. different. Yeah. There, there's something to be said, as you say, about finding that balance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the directing for me right now is a, a really great thing because I, I don't have to be at the theater every night to perform. I don't have to learn all the lines. Um, I don't have to second guess. I, don't, I, you know, I think most actors are insecure. I certainly am. You need a, a certain amount of extreme confidence, uh, but at the same token, you know, you're just so vulnerable. I mean, you're up there in front of those people. Well, what are we doing? <laughs> I sound like Seinfeld. Uh, but what are you know? What are we? What are we doing? We're standing in front of all these people. They may not like you. You you want them to like you so much. They may not like you. It's it's tough to put yourself outside of your comfort zone in front of a crowd, isn't it? Um, sometimes I, I, uh, as much of, uh, as an insecure actor, uh, as I, I think I am before, I don't really know. Cause I, I find that like, as soon as I walk out on stage, gone, mm-hmm. gone. It's a flip of the switch, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And in, in your case, it happens as, as soon as you walk into that space. It's... Yeah. But as soon as I walk on the stage, mm. Is it ground you? Is that, or is it just got all like? There's something to be said. About it's just the vibe I, I feel like there. really, I feel really, uh, not insecure. I feel really secure. Mm. Uh, I'm controlling the environment, and I feel that uh, actors, uh, again on stage and and screen, um, when you command that presence, mm-hmm. you command the room. Well, we were talking about the Arkell show just recently. Yeah, this is a man that commanded the audience mm-hmm. and I've, I haven't seen that in a while it was, it was impressive to see mm-hmm. but it's to your point that's not something that's that's the 10 year success that that was 10 years of practice mm-hmm. and practice to get to that point where you could take 8,000 people and control 8,000 mm-hmm. people like I remember you know we were we were talking uh, about marijuana and whatnot I was asked to moderate a panel with Jody Emery in front of the mayor candidates. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and it was one of those things where midway through it, I'm talking, we were talking about uh, uh, edibles and how you could make edibles at home. And the big concern would be the smell of your neighbors and the bylaws and whatnot. And at one point in time, I make a comment about someone not liking the smell of bacon. And I literally had the entire <laughs> crowd turn their heads and stare at Karen. <laughs> from the stage, I blah, 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 turned my head, and literally 30 people, because, you know, it's a small crowd, but 30 yeah. people all follow. And you're like, I just made that happen. I control that audience. Yeah. And it, that was it. That yeah. that was one of those moments where it's like, oh, my God, that just happened. Yeah. And it felt great. Yeah, because, it's, it's very powerful that's when, feeling. Because when, when you have that control, and I think you lose that with film. And like I said, with film, like I do editing. You, that's the extent of it. When but, you're working in film or TV, you have no idea. Mm. You know, I've done stuff. Well, and they could edit seven ways till Sunday. So you yeah, know what you record. For is the not... most part, you're only as good as the editor wants you to be. And with with uh, when you're live, that's it. That's there is it. no there's no edit. Um, yeah, when you're on when you're on film, you don't really know how it's going to be perceived. Mm. You don't know how what people are going to think of it. In with the with the stage, for the most part, you can alter a little bit. But then again, you you know you have to stay true to what the director and you want to do. Mm-hmm. So even if it's not going well on stage, for the most part, you gotta kind of kind of stick with it, and that's tough. You go out there every night thinking this is the wrong interpretation. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's where the professional will come in because you need that's the job. 
Yeah. You're, you're, you're tasked to yep. deliver these lines yep. and on these cues and on these yep. marks. And, and again, that's these. that's where a lot of discipline comes yep. in because I've worked with, you know, other actors that, you know, they get a laugh one night and they think they're going to get that laugh there every night. And the second night or the ninth night, they don't get the laugh. They panic. And then they start to push. There's a lot of, a lot of psychology, you yep. know, they, they, they start to push and, you know, search for the, where's, where's the funny? I was funny yesterday. People laughed yesterday. Why aren't they laughing now? And that, I don't know, like just sometimes it just doesn't go over. Sometimes it works well. And, you know, the other day we were doing, um, the show that I directed, uh, waiting for Godot. And, uh, one of the, one of the, the, uh, the matinees, you know, just, basically filled full of elderly people they laughed and laughed and laughed like they were the actors were, were holding off their some of their dialogue because of the yeah, uh, yeah yeah and then other performances nobody laughed you know and i think that right there because at that point in time it becomes an ebb and flow with the audience you're not just saying your lines you got to wait for the bits. Yeah. The bit has to land. It plays out. Well, the you know you that know. that fourth wall. There's so much oh. that goes on on stage. You know the fourth wall. You we know the audience is there. Yeah. But uh, you know when they when they really come at you, well like well yeah I'm 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 it's a fine line to be fight you know just pushing forward like you always do or letting them laugh or and then the, it, a lot of people get seduced by it and then they. Yeah, that's horrible. Something, some I forget exactly what the quote was, but it was along the lines of you wanted your actors to uh, focus more. What was it? The emotion of it versus the lines, or something like that. It was less about. Did the, I said? Yeah, it was something. I, I, well, it might have been an expositor I, article or something. Yeah, like that. I I have this thing where a lot of a lot of times when we go to the theater as an audience, like the general public, you know, the actors are are just so quite often abrasive. Like the audience is right there, man. Whether it's a hundred seat theater or a five hundred seat theater, like we're right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find, like, I find, I like just, you know, let us just be a fly on the wall, just watching this happen. Just, I don't want you to act and push and perform. Just emote. Mm, that was it. Emote. Just emote. Just, just what emote. does that mean? Elaborate, because that was I found that a fascinating quote. I don't. Um, I, I I do have a hard time explaining that. In a director, I shouldn't have a hard time. I know that's that. why I'm forcing you to. Well, I'm I'm just saying, you know, don't don't don't, don't push it. If you're gonna be sad, you don't have to you don't have to cry and cry mm-hmm. and cry. Mm-hmm. Just be sad. Yeah. If you're happy, just be happy. Just emote. Just. You know, people would come out, they would deliver the line and, and uh, you know, they would just be pushing too much. Just just come out and say the line, man. Yeah. It's that... that just realism. The realism. That's 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 really what it is. Yeah, just, just talk like... Because I think that's... Where, just talk like... Just like Rob and, my, and yeah. I are having a conversation. But see, that, I think, as you say, when you go to a lot of stage shows, you know, especially the Shakespearean ones, you know, the, you know it's, it's there. It's meant to be that way. It's, mm-hmm. you know, that's the style, right? And then a lot of people will try to replicate that in a non-Shakespearean type. Yeah, play. and it, it's like no, mm-hmm. no. I this this is well in your recent plays, two guys talking, waiting for someone, and a bunch of conversations. Yeah, that has got to be the less scripted presentation period because this is literally a chat. Yeah, you know, for most of the play, for a lot honest. of it, a lot of it's just a chat, yeah. and that's what I wanted. Um, I, I want, I always want ebb and flow. I, uh, I always look for an arc and I found that with Godot, I couldn't find an arc. So I kind of had to fabricate something. Um, that's just my own neuroses, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, I just, I just wanted the guys just to be talking. 
yeah. for, for a lot. I, I was in Godot, and then when I directed it, that's one thing I wanted. I just wanted ebbs and flows, and you know, it's a long time for two people to be standing on stage talking, so I needed lots of variety. Mm-hmm. I needed to be fast, I needed to be slow, I needed to be funny, I needed to be sad. And then that's when you start to, you know, say, well, you know, I think we can massage this this little scene because it's all basically one scene. Mm. You know, we'll take these little chunks and we'll start to we'll start to move them around and we'll we'll be a little little, little softer in some of these spots and then later on we'll really get really really ramped up and we'll be really frantic and loud and well, you want that variety. Anybody that's sitting through a presentation for more than twenty minutes of melancholy droneness mm-hmm. and the bullet point of today is da 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 da. Half of those presentations just need a bit of ebb and flow of mm-hmm. variety or whatnot because Otherwise, your, your brain goes flatline. Yeah, because Rob and you is stop just, listening. Af- after a while, it's just white noise. Yeah. When we did Twelve Angry Men, I directed Twelve Angry Men, and the first thing that everybody wants to do is just be angry. I mean, it's right in the title. Well, it's perfect. We're just going to yell. Everybody's just going to yell. And I said, no, 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 no. No, there's there's plenty of time for yelling, and we're really going to pick and choose mm-hmm. who's yelling when and where. Well, what are the emphasis points? Yeah. You so know, like if you were throwing F-bombs every single sentence, mm-hmm. the F-bomb. Do you cut. curse on this show? I can. Yeah. It's on Facebook. Yeah. You know, who cares? Uh, who cares? Who gives a shit? No one's listening anyway, so who cares? But the, with, with. Like... Actually, that's not true. I've been told to say, hi, Matt, from uh, Chris Wilson. Oh, Chris Kara, Wilson. Kara and Chris Wilson were, okay. were listening. Or they may oh. still be listening. So, so. Oh, that's great. How do, you know, how do you know Chris? I don't. You don't know no, Chris? No, I know Chris. <laughs> okay. No, I do. Um, but the, the uh, but something like 12 Angry Men yes. is just 12 guys. It's just like a, a wall coming at you. Yeah. And I certainly don't want that. So you have to, you know, I, don't, I think a good director is going to, you know, slow things down. Otherwise, it's just like sending the, the hockey players out on the ice to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. How does that normally work out? No, it doesn't work out. No, it doesn't. You see, you know what that looks like? Pee wee hockey. That's exactly. Yeah. You put twenty kids on the, the in Pee Wee mm-hmm. and the Timbits, and you watch mm-hmm. them go. That's what it would be. That would be like that, uh, me with twelve angry men. That, that would be let, it. let you, them go. You guys figure it out. Yeah. No. Pee Wee hockey. It just does. That, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's it in a nutshell. Uh, I always like to tie this back uh, to the charity side of things because I, I have a subtitle called the podcast with a uh, cause. You're involved in a few charities. Tell me about about yep. those. Um. Well, uh, I I have a thing with children. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to be raised in a family that we didn't have to worry about some things. Um, and we were always very well aware that some people weren't in the, in the position that we were. Um, I've traveled a fair amount and I, I, you know, I have a real soft spot for kids. So I got involved with, uh, Brant Child Hunger. I think it's, uh, it's important uh, for people to know about the organization, because there's people right here in this area, Brantford, Brant County, children who go to school hungry. And I don't think people realize that, because for the most part, we all eat every day. Um, you know, I, I have nothing, if people want to donate to other countries, that's great, that's up to them. But I think, you know, we should look after children right here. There's children that are hungry right here, mm-hmm. and there's no reason for that. Um, I, side note, I, I do have some issue with uh, education and parenting. You know, it's, it, it's, maybe they should figure it out, the, the parents and the education system, mm-hmm. as to why these children are hungry. But nevertheless, children right here in Brantford and in Brant County are hungry, and I don't, I don't think it's right. 
and I would like to uh, make sure that all kids are fed. So how do you go about that? Uh, donating. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, it's all volunteer. So I, I basically buy a lot of food. Uh, they prepare the food and it goes out to the schools. Very nice. And you do this on a regular basis? Yep. Uh, really? Yep. I think that uh, people that do donating, uh, sometimes it's good to, to publicize. Mm-hmm. Other times I think it's good to just shut your mouth. Uh, my family and I will quite often do something that nobody knows about. And I think that's important. Uh, they don't need, nobody know, needs to know. Uh, but something like this, I think it's good to publicize because other people say, oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. I should do that. Yeah. No, and I, I think you know, this... my, my family just paid for uh, a family to go to Mexico. And um, there's some circumstances that we, we you know, they it's, it's important for these people to go to Mexico. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't afford it. So we paid for their trip to go to Mexico. And not that I've just said that, but normally we wouldn't say that because it doesn't matter. No. You know, it's just a, it's just an isolated thing. Um, but, uh, but then other times, you know, something like this or sick kids hospital, you know, I, I had a little boy who was quite sick, still kind of sick. Um, that's important to me, sick kids hospital, anything to do with children for the most part. Have you ever done uh, any stage work for any of those kids? No. No. no, I would never do that. No. No, the reason, I, I, the reason that. I bring it up is two of the people that we interviewed in the past, both Doug Hunt and Randy Papple, uh, play their clown roles mm. at the hospital mm-hmm. every week. They call themselves the Fun Troop. Okay, uh, and these are people that you know. You know who these people are because mm-hmm. you, you're from here. But that's their thing. That they uh, every week they go uh, through the the wards as, as clowns and bring joy and whatnot yeah. because it's the one thing that seems to be missing in many mm-hmm. cases, right? But for the most part with the exception of when they're on the show and they're promoting it because, you know, we want to promote it. I don't hear about it on a day-to-day basis. You know, mm-hmm. the, the worst thing for me are the ones that, that are, are the humble braggers. Right. You know what I mean? And as you say, certain things, a true charity is not publicized, but unpublicized initiatives don't benefit the charity because then no one knows about it. Well so, said. Well, I try. Do try. I'm trying to figure out what you just said. It's recorded. That's the best part about it. Okay, I'll listen. I'll exactly. Listen. You just I'll need that back. little bit I'll right there. Back. I always tell people this is the beauty of this. You never know when you're going to say something, mm-hmm. you know, and you'll want to delete it, I'm sure. But in any case, uh, we're going to wind down. Is there anything you wanted to add? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Anything you want to ask? I don't know. We got Karen here. How about we get Karen to ask yeah. a question? Here, I got a question. Uh, are, you a, a, um, are you a David Lee Roth or a Sammy Hager? Uh, both. Yeah. I like them both just as much. I think that I spent more time listening to Sammy. Yeah. 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 Same here. The, uh, I, he's I, a better singer. Oh, uh, the, the variety of his singing yeah. is, and believe it or not, I actually have, uh, the Sammy Hagar collection right down to his initial 1970s vinyl upstairs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he, he did a lot of work yeah. uh, before joining Sam's a great singer. I mean, yeah. uh, David Lee Roth, uh, I, I, I love Showman Dave. Beyond Show, belief. Yep. Um, but you know, he can't sing. He kind of talks things. When you, I've met Sam a bunch of times. He's a really, really, really great, yeah. He's a really great guy. He comes across as just that down to earth. Yeah, he is. He? Yeah, he's he's a, he's a really neat guy. He's a fascinating guy, Sammy Hager. Yeah, that's um, well. You answered that one, and then and then some. I I, I have always thought that when uh, Sammy Hagar came on play, the quality of the musicianship mm-hmm. continued. Yeah. But the quality of, of the artistic writing and all of that. Yeah, it just matured. Uh, oh, my God. The, the, the second. There's a lot more substance. I mean, it, it, when, when David was in the band, it was still just monster riffs. Oh, God, yeah. 
you know? So I think that for the most part, like Dave really fit that mold, mm. but I don't think that had Dave stuck with the band, I don't think that, you know, I mean, they'd be playing casinos yeah. now. Oh, they'd look at what they did on their last run. Uh, now here, second question, Michael Anthony or, uh, or uh, Van oh, Halen Jr.? No, uh, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, uh, Wolfgang Van Halen oh. on bass is wicked talented. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. And that is true Van Halen. That is a family band now yeah. with, with a front man. Yeah. And that, that honestly is the true Van Halen. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm glad that happened. But yeah. That's why I think I like Michael Anthony I would because love, he still plays I, I, with Sammy. Love, I've never seen Van Halen with all four original members. Most people no, haven't. No, no. I've been fortunate enough to see David Lee Roth when he went solo with uh, Billy Sheen and mm-hmm. uh, Steve Vai, and that yeah, was a show. Greg Bissonette. Yeah. Is that who was on drums? Yeah. I couldn't remember who was on drums. Greg Bissonette. There you go. That was a stellar show. Yeah, yeah they're a great band, those those guys. Oh, my God. You know, There and, was talk about them touring again, but... I don't know, man. I, I again, I love David Lee Roth. He was my idol. Mm. Um, still kind of my idol. I mean, everybody wanted to be David Lee Roth. You, I, I've said to my wife, like, you don't understand. Like, David Lee Roth was the biggest golden god. Like, he was just mm. so cool and sexy and funny and and a real good entertainer. And you know what? You listen to some of that stuff from years back. It was live. He could, he was singing okay, like he could yeah. really sing, and they did some neat stuff. But that's a that, that's a that's another two podcasts. No, it is. But there you go. We ended on something that we didn't want to end. On. Mm-hmm. Reintroduce yourself, and is there anything that uh, that you want to add? No, uh, my name's Matt Wilson, and I'm from Paris. I'm a actor director. Uh, I'm going to Europe in a couple of weeks to promote a film that is at the uh, the Renaissance Film Festival in Amsterdam. Uh, we're up for best comedy. And then uh, I'm going to be in Los Angeles for March break. I just did some financing and performing in a Donald Sutherland film, which uh, will be out soon, called American Hangman. Just did some stuff on Murdoch. Um, lots of stage. I don't know what I'm going to do next directing. I'm, I'm kind of directed outright, just as much as I love it. I, I just did like four shows back to back. It's been It's been going on since the summer. So my wife would kill me if I did that too. So I'm just chilling out a little bit with that, but I I I'm I'm definitely going to be directing something in the next six months. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. This has been good. It has been, hasn't it? Yeah. I love these chats. I love these chats. Yeah.